next weeks, you're not going to want to miss, is going to be the most hilarious and uncomfortable ethic so far, all right? Um, next week, you won't want to miss. We're glad you're here for this one, too, though. But harvest ethic number eight, maybe not as exciting as number nine, but definitely important for who we are. Uh, number eight today is that peacemaking is more important than power. Let's stop there for a moment because peacemaking and peacekeeping are, are oftentimes opposite things. Uh, peacekeeping is the idea of I will sacrifice and do anything that to keep peace, whereas peacemaking is when we actively are pursuing and setting our intention upon how do we how do we make this work? How do we how do we both do the right thing and and make peace, create peace and an environment? Um, one of the one of the um, uh, as you can see on the on the board there, we have a false translation of this in in, in that um, the critics of this particular ethic say that all we're trying to say is since the church abuses its power that power should be taken away entirely. Um, I, I will say this to you. Let me let me be nice about this. Um, the church has been obsessed with power for way too long. Do you hear me today? And we need to distinguish the difference between power and authority. Because power, power can be taken, power can be unearned. Power can be something that's seized without permission or consent. Power is, it can be good or bad, but with biblical authority comes a responsibility to, to keep every human being in mind when making decisions. And it is completely different. As a matter of fact, the bedfellow of biblical authority is humility. You can't exercise biblical authority as a church or church leader without humility. Because humility paves the way for authority. It is not the other way around. When you do it the other way around, it's unearned power. We're not, when, when, when we have to exert a certain amount of power over somebody in order to bring them to humility, we are doing just that. We are we are abusing something that was actually meant uh, over time to be to to actually give us the opportunity to bring humility into a situation. I want to give you, for instance, one of the things that we've been trying to do here. Um, as you know, we have this influx of musicians and singers and all these people that have been coming here. And so, what we're doing is the guys and gals and, and humans up here that have been up here for a long time. We we are deciding to exercise our authority as leaders by being, by exercising humility and stepping aside and letting other people come in and, 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 and participate and be a part. We actually have enough authority here and enough respect amongst us that we will be, we, we, we will humble ourselves and move aside and give somebody else an opportunity. Biblical authority, in other words, is exercised most perfectly when it's done through humility. If humility doesn't accompany biblical authority, then it is it is unearned power. And it usually ends up in abusive situations. Probably if you've been hurt by church leaders, as many of you have, you'll probably find that that church leader that hurt you exerted very little humility, if any at all. 
they were probably so arrogant that even when somebody in front of them was showing signs of pain or trauma or abuse, they couldn't even acknowledge the experience of the person in front of them because they dare not humble themselves enough to actually admit they might have missed it on something. Do you hear me, church? Whereas it's not supposed to work that way, number one. Number two, if we, if we elevate the idea of either authority over, or power over peacemaking, we end up with things like January 6th. Do you hear me? I know everyone's like, he's talking about politics. No, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about dead capital police officers. I'm talking about people defecating on people's desks in, 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 in the Capitol, people, people breaking in and smashing and running over people, and then only to get to the chambers of the highest legislative branch in our, in our, in our nation, to, the same people to then go in and pray in the name of Jesus over those chambers. Those are people that are more obsessed with power than they are with actually keeping and making peace. Do you hear me today? That's an extreme example of what happens when we're... What was that all about? I'll tell you what it was about. The predominantly Christian right decided that Trump did not lose the election. So, what do they do? Even though, even though the, it was what it was, they were, they were completely... You know, they, they, they tested it in courts. They did everything they had to do, and I'm not going to get into all that today. But they, they exhausted every resource that we have available to us to challenge that election. And then when those legal resources were exhausted, they were so obsessed with keeping power, and they believed that power was rightfully theirs, that it compelled them to be violent and to do something that will be a stain on the history of our nation forever. Do you hear me, church? Where do you think this came from? I'm going to tell you. It didn't come from some backwoods place in Alabama. It came from pulpits. It came from churches. How do you know that, Pastor Dan? Because some of the most prominent evangelical leaders in the world are still saying three years later, two and a half years later, that the election was stolen and encouraging their congregation to get ready for the next one. And if something goes down, that we need, do you know that, do you know that we recently had a, 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 he was a Baptist preacher who then became a, a governor, and I'm not going to say his name again because I don't like to do that, but he recently said that if this election doesn't go their way, that this will be the last election not decided by bullets. on Christian television, and nobody on Christian television said, this has gone too far. Like, hello, something's wrong here. Oh, you're, Pastor Dan, you're showing us your politics. No, I'm not. You don't even know my politics. The point is, this isn't about politics. We're beyond politics. We're beyond, like, how should the economy work? Should we give tax breaks to the rich and hope it trickles down to the, the middle class and poor, or should we take the money from the rich and give it we're beyond that. Those conversations were like so 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Now we're talking about like 
going back to the 60s when it comes to human rights. We're talking about reteaching what slavery was and, and, and telling people in the state of Florida, I'm just going to say it, that the slaves owe us because they got on-the-job training. Look it up. This has gone too far. So I'm going to refocus it because I don't want this to be all, all about that today. But it's gone too far, and the reason is is because we have decided that we have some sort of mandate from God to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth regardless of what it takes. In other words, power and control is more important than anything else. And our country can be in anarchy and chaos, and we can be so far from peace, but as long as we're in power, we don't care. And it's coming from the church, folks. This is why this is one of our ethics. We must, listen to me, we must Regardless of where you are politically, I support you. As long as you know why you're there, awesome. Be involved, educate yourself, and vote the way you feel God's called you and led you to vote. Do that. Do do whatever you want to do. People don't like when I say that, but it's okay. Because people have the right to, to discover where they are. But when the church steps into politics and then people are getting killed and buildings are getting broken into... And we're praying in the name of God, and nobody says a word. Well, you shouldn't talk about politics. I wish I didn't have to. If we just stayed focused on the mandate from God, which is to love one another, and to let the tenants and the life of Jesus reign here on the earth, I wouldn't have to say a word. We'd never have to talk about this in church. It'd just be like, you do you, boo. You know? Nothing's worse than a white guy saying that. I know. You laughed, but that was the cringiest laugh I've ever heard. You were like, oh. <laughs> Slay. Okay, all right. No, I'm getting all the words you don't even know. The one that says, I feel some kind of way about that. What's that about? Which way do you feel? That's what these kids say. They're like, Dad, I feel some kind of way about that. I'm like, well, which way? They say some kind of way, like what kind of way? Bad way, good way, up way, down way, what way? Yeah, on God. That's old, Aaron. That's old. Anyways, that's called digression. All right. Um, so Matthew 5, 9, you can put that up there with me, says, oh, no, go to Romans real quick. We know this one. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Boy, I mean, I could just end right now, but I won't. I won't, Debbie, I won't. I refuse. I, I could end with that. I mean, are we really, come on, let's be, let's be real. Are we really, as Christians in the church, striving to be at peace with all men? Yo, I was in De- well, I was parking lot a couple weeks ago, and I don't have time to tell the whole story, and somebody that I've known for years angrily confronted me this far from very, very upset, very upset with me over, quote-unquote, I heard you're doing the gay thing over at Harvest. And I was like, if you mean by the gay thing, you're saying that we allow those poor gay people into our church, make them sit in a certain section, you know, 
We have ionizers all around them to cleanse the air so our kids don't catch it. I said, if by the gay thing you mean that everybody, including the LGBT community, are welcome and loved and treated equally as human beings like they are indeed also made in the image of God and crazy stuff like that, then yes, we are doing the gay thing there. You know? We're not putting that on a t-shirt. Harvest, we do the gay thing. We're not doing that. I could sell them, and, and anything I can sell, I'll make. Um, so, um, we, we, we just, we, I, this happens on a regular basis. People come up, and they confront one of us, and how dare you, and it's like, just then don't come to the church. Don't, don't just take a different route. You don't even have to drive by it. It is contagious, apparently. I mean, look at this jacket. I would have never wore this jacket, right? Come on. I was wearing flannel. No, I'm just kidding. That's another group in here. Whoa, okay, here we go. All right. I'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm getting letters about that one. Send that to KK at HarvestHerso.com. She fields those. She loves them. And then she walks into my office and says, Daniel, I got an email. Um, be at peace. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I like this because it says it, it's a responsibility scripture. As far as it depends on you. In other words, you do everything. Because I, I, we, we, we do this. We all do this. We all do this. It's like, the, well, I would. I mean, we would be fine and, and everything would be okay. But, you know, they, they'll never. They don't want to. They. And I understand that. We can't control the other person. But we can take the responsibility on us to actively not just seek, but create peace in situations. We had one this week. I won't go into Aaron and I did. We had a situation where I got a chance to apologize three times to somebody. And it was very clear that after the third apology, they weren't going to hear it. And that's okay, because we have to do our part. We have to do everything we can to make peace. And this is not only a tenet of this church, it is a very, very important biblical idea. Okay? Um, Christianity has, I'm going to read this to you because I don't want to get this wrong, but Christianity has traditionally been seen as a stabilizing, even moderating influence on American life. In 1975, more than two-thirds of Americans expressed a great, great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the church, according to a Gallup poll. And as of 1985, organized religion was the most revered institution in American life. Today, the same Gallup reports that just 37% of Americans have confidence in the church. So almost half. 66, two-thirds, to 37 in my lifetime. Now, you multiply that over the millions and millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people that live in our country. That is a lot of people to lose confidence in the church. And what do we do? We double down. We get more divisive. We get more exclusionary. We, 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 we make war 
culture wars. We, we fuel them. We do everything we can to separate and conquer and divide and prove that we are superior. We do the exact opposite of peacemaking. The downward spiral owes principally to two phenomena. The constant stench of scandal with churches and prominent leaders imploding on what seems like a weekly basis and the growing perceptions that Christians are embracing extremist views. Well, if we got back to making peace, we wouldn't have this, would we? It's that simple. Um, Matthew 5, 9, another one that most of us know. Blessed or blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed. So we not only do the right thing by human beings, but we walk in the abundant blessings of God when we make peace. That's pretty important. I will say this. This probably, this congregation, this group, y'all, are probably the most, you get along better than any congregation we've ever had. I, I, it has been Please do not break the streak. It's like the streak on the wall where it says we've had this many days since an accident. Don't make us erase that, okay? It is, we, it has been, I can't even tell you how long until somebody came to me and said, you know that such and such did this and said this, and that used to happen all the time. People at odds with another. You all are such a loving group of people, but I'm asking you this. Can we collectively export what we're doing here to the rest of our community. Because we need, and, and I know, like, I go out there, and when people say, especially somebody that's, you know, been on the wrong side of religion, when they say to me, what do you do for a living? Every, I start just, I have an internal fit. For years, I just told people I'm a photographer because I did that for years. I've told them lots of things. I told them I'm a, never mind. Anyways, um, it's editing myself. I get points when I edit myself. Um, but I, um, I, I have a problem telling people I'm a pastor because if I don't have like five minutes to explain to them why I'm not the pastor they think I am, then I have struggle with saying it to them. You know? Like we, 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 I get, I get the fact that kind of like, if you're in that same boat where you go out there and you're like hiding the idea that you're a Christian or that you're a person of faith amongst our community because people automatically assume, you know, that the next question is going to be, did you get the vaccine? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, there's all these things around it. That's like, you just don't, you're just like, hold on. I, you know, I'm just going to kind of live my life out there and then get around my church family because it's safe. And I understand that sentiment, but we have to get to a point where we realize we've got to start exporting the, the values that we have here to the community so that the community will know that what it actually looks like to be a person of faith is that we actively seek to create peace and joy and love and harmony with one another, that we work together, that we, we don't push somebody aside because they have differences. We embrace somebody who has a different idea about things on both sides of the political spectrum, that we actually, as long as somebody is not hurting another human being, that we 
embrace them no matter how different they are. And we bring them together. That's what this is right here. I know some of where you, you guys stand. You're all over the map. Really. You're like a schizophrenic church. All right? But instead of like three personalities, like this girl I dated once, um, this we have like 150 personalities here. Really, truly, we do. And that's beautiful. It's actually so beautiful that we can embrace that, but we've got to learn to export it. i got six minutes, so we're going to close with this. I was studying a little bit about Pax Romana, which is was the the it was the the theme of the Roman Empire for many 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 years. Pax meaning peace in Latin, and under the idea of peace, millions of people were slaughtered so that they could make peace, and that's not peacemaking. How many times have we gone to war? Because we thought by going to war and killing people, it would stop people from being killed. And, and, and you know, maybe it has. I don't know. But when we, when we do things aggressively under the idea of, well, this is so we can make peace, it doesn't line up with the scriptures. It just doesn't. The idea of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth doesn't line up. I don't know how we function in a world where there are plenty of despots and lunatics that are running countries. I don't know. But I do know that as people of God, we should do everything we can to make peace, to promote peace, to pray, to long for peace. We used to be neutral about this stuff, and that was better than just used to not participate in it. The church has become an epicenter of hatred and promoting bigotry and war and division. These faux culture wars aimed at people groups that in their principle and idea you might be able to convince somebody but when you look somebody in the eye who's had their butt whooped by it who's just trying to live their life being done in the name of God, we've missed it. And I know we have a great leader that once said, peace through strength. Or was it Roosevelt who said we should carry a big stick? Speak quietly or speak softly, speak softly and carry a big stick. And that's cool, that's great, but it's not biblical. You know how Jesus made peace, not by strength, by going lower and allowing his own weakness to seemingly defeat him. That's how we brought peace. Jesus built the bridge over our troubled waters to a land of freedom and acceptance and knowing where the veil was torn from top to bottom by being vulnerable and opening himself up and being naked on a cross where they beat him and brutally murdered him. That wasn't strength. The kind of strength that we classify as strength. He didn't build another bomber. 
Jesus. I'm all about that. I get it. I'm all there. I, I understand that. And, I'm, and I've, I, we have, we have almost every, both of my grandparents served this country. My grandmother's first husband died in the war, and she was notified by a telegram. They, they went to serve this country. They went to protect us. I, I, I am deeply patriotic in that way, but I'm afraid that the church has gotten on the wrong side of some stuff, and it's caused more violence to even our own citizenry. We can do better. We really can. It's hard. It is hard. You hear the stars make a banner. We let off fireworks last night. That made me just want to go do something. I was like, I'm an American. Boom. Bring it on. I hear an accent over there. I'm going to take care of that in a moment. Speak English. You know, like that was just immediately like, it's just not biblical. It isn't. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Come on. Do you hear me today? That's why that's harvest ethic number eight. It is 1119, and I am an overachiever. By one minute. Let's stand up and pray. I have a minute to pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that we stood up before they stood up, which has some sort of biblical significance. I'm just not sure. Let us be peacemakers. Let us pursue peace. Let us not be dragged into the nonsense where people are using faith to cause harm that we would use our faith to compel us to make and create peace as long as it is up to, for every part of it that's up to us, let us create peace and prioritize peace over power or authority because it is the way of our Savior. It is the way of Jesus. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come join us for Food Truck Sunday outside. We'd love to have you out there. Get a chance to talk and hang out, grab some grilled cheese, and we'll see you.